Welcome to Season 3, Episode 29 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online ever. You can check out the platform at the pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Put your belt on. Enjoy the show. It was good, mate. Uh, I mean, it was good for a weekend. I, I didn't play rugby, which was a bit odd, but I uh, had a birthday, so that wasn't too bad. That's true. I'm sorry. I did uh, I did um, forget to bring that up, but I guess... Paul Vaughan, that's all. Look, I mean, you picked Rob Simmons, so really that took all the wind out of... Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. And I... Did it? I don't know. But um... Harry, how are you? I am surprised to say I regret picking Rob, Rob Simmons over Fraser McWright. Who would have thought that was a bad decision? Well, that's a weird choice, to be fair. Over McWright. Mate, we're all human, all right? We all make mistakes. Captain Look, the Mudd, problem I have with that sentence... Over Fraser McWright, I was tossing up line ball and I thought I could hold out, pick up Rob Simmons and bank Fraser McWright next round. And that is a bad choice. Terrible choice. <laughs> You're starting to sound a whole lot of like Nelson in the what I could have done. But um, the, the, the main problem with that sentence, Harry, was that you said, I was surprised that it was a bad idea to pick up Rob Simmons. So... Um, it was sarcasm. I guess that's why you lost this week. So, woo, got him early. Um, uh, can I just point out, there was he was the ninth lock, the ninth. You can, and there um, was eight starting locks. He was one of them, and he got ninth. Fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Speaking Good. of the two brothers and um, their terrible fantasy, just John uh, Auras. I don't know. I'm lost for words here. Um, I have figured out why Nelson insists on being finishing seventh and being in the spoon final every year. Uh, and it's because he can finally think clearly and pick a good team when there's only two managers picking from a whole player, uh, pool of players. So um, that's what it takes. Um, and he just, he lives for that one week every year, despite losing the spoon final the last two years, just for clarification. Um, he finally got that week, that win, that high he'd been chasing. So Nelson, how, how did it feel? Look, mate, I, I think it really comes down to I, I like my teams when I pick them, but they can't get injured, or not many can get injured in one week. Carmichael Hunt got injured before the match, so he tried, but uh, I get a redraft next week again so I can get rid of him. Yeah, look, don't give Nelson too much credit. I know he's got a big lead, but he could still Nelson this one. <laughs> very possible, very possible. Um, yes, well... Uh, very good. On uh, tonight, how about we get into it? So on tonight's menu, we will be uh, reviewing Super Rugby AU and Draft Rugby Round 8. Uh, for main course, we'll be looking ahead to Round 9 and the fixtures and what to expect. And for dessert, um, we are doing... Uh, what are we doing? We're doing a... Shoot, shag, marry, mate. Uh, Wallabies. Shoot, shag, marry. Yeah. It sounds like we're just going to froth on some players and um, talk some trash. <laughs> sounds sounds uh, like usual. Um, very good. All right. Well, let's get into the entree. The uh, buy this week was the Rebels. And the first game of the weekend was the Force <clears throat> taking on the Reds uh, and went about as expected. Yeah, look, I think uh, early on in the last week, we were sort of saying pick the Reds players against the Force. Things had been building against them. And, and this was a perfect example of what we think we thought was going to happen at halftime, the the force were holding on, and it was zero to zero to fifteen. But in the end of the game, after the force came out firing, 
uh, early in that second half to score a try. The final score was five to fifty-seven. So that is that is a big loss. One try to eight in terms of the returns column. Uh, Nick Frisby returned after his nose fracture, Henry Tafu after his concussion, Moses Sorovi after his leg injury, and Harry Hoopert um, from his round three MCL. In terms of new injuries, if you were playing in the centres for the Reds, you're probably going to get injured. Josh Fluke dislocated his shoulder, um, and then Hamish Stewart also had a hip pointer. What was that, Harry? Both my fantasy players. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. so it serves all right for me, Jack. Um, so, John O'Lance, sorry, what was that, Craig? I said, great, great banner, boys. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, John O'Lance, he was actually pulled pre-game and dropped to the bench um, without much explanation at the time. And it turns out he had, I think, a pretty severe head laceration. Um, so, we saw Jack McGregor come into that starting side. We thought it might have actually been planned. Jack McGregor, McGregor showed some, some good form early on in the game. Um, I think John Lance did manage to come on pretty heavily strapped back yeah. back into the game. Yeah. yeah, you just have to see his head, mate. He could barely fit the headgear on because it looked like he was. Uh, it was a his head was a bowling ball, mate. He had so much duct tape on it. Um, but that also illustrates the importance of picking your bench player up because uh, Jack McGregor did get picked up, and uh, yeah, look, you know, play, players did get withdrawn, and players did slot in, and that can um, make a big difference. Uh, it didn't for me this week. Still smash no bunk, but you know it could have, could make a difference to some teams. So um. exactly, exactly right. Look, this week uh, it was massive if you had Reds players. There's two tries to Dalgunen in that first half, two tries to McDermott in that second half. I had both of them, and boy, how good is it to see McDermott go down that short side? There was less than a metre space. Um, pretty poor defence to to have that space there, but that was just absolutely electric by him. Um, also, Taniela Tupo, another one of my players could have had two tries, if not for tackling himself once. I can't remember how he bombed the other one, but he basically decided to try and step a defender rather than use his 135 kg frame to run over someone when he's a couple metres from the line. And uh, he just uh, it got called back, but I think there was a knock-on or something first. Ah, yeah. Mate, I love it. He backs his pace as well. But um, oh, the, the Reds put up a great step. post on Instagram and it was just like, the only person who can stop Nella... Is Nella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, the Reds were dominant throughout most of this one. And as the game went on, the force looked more and more disinterested. I think as the season's gone on, it's got harder and harder for them being away from home. Um, and, and without that sort of depth and the time together that a lot of the other sides have had. But the match stats, the Reds had 60% of the territory and 54% of the possession. But they ran 636 compared to 298 run metres, 41 to 19 tackle busts, 21 to 4 line breaks, 17 to 2 offloads. Just absolutely dominant in all those stats, um, as, as well as the force got 16 penalties and a yellow card, whereas the Reds had nine penalties. Uh, there's actually two men of the matches in this one. Filippo Dalgunu had 92 points with two tries. 18 runs for 96 metres, five tackle busts, two line breaks and two offloads. James O'Connor, another man on my team, had 92 points with a try, four try assists, 15 runs for 62 metres, two tackle busts, three offloads and a line break. Tate McDermott got 86, Fraser McWright 77, Taniela Tupo 54 and even Bryce Hegarty got 53. And for the top of the force, Richard Kaihui got 38. 
And I think it's worth noting, I'm not sure how many he ended up kicking, but I think O'Connor only missed one conversion eight. in the whole game. Yeah. Oh, I thought he got seven. Maybe it was he eight. Got eight. He broke the record. I, th- I think the record was seven. He got eight, didn't he? Yeah, crazy. Maybe. You're telling the story. Craziness. And, uh, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the... Uh, I mean, there's always a punter in every case, isn't there? But the, the punter who um, put 100 bucks on the Reds to win by 51 points uh, at $81 odds and uh, had a fantastic night, I guess, pulling in eight grand. So, how good. Um, Seven conversions and a penalty goal. Excellent. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, that takes us on to the second game. I think we were... were the trend, uh, you'll note, is that uh, we all picked all the Reds players. That was the pattern you could see for this week. Um, and so, we're all a little bit less interested in this game. Uh, Harry and Nelson were still cheering on the Tars. Um, as a loyal Tars fan, I was definitely going for the Brumbies because uh, I wanted to win my fantasy week. But um, how did it unfold, Harry? Yeah, so end score for this one was 38 to 11. Six tries to one. Incredibly one-sided finish, but it's probably not the entire story. Uh, returning, probably the, the big in was Nick White was coming off the bench for the Brumbies. Obviously, his first run since he's come back from the UK. Uh, so really good. Finish. I think he had what 20, 25 minutes or something along those lines. And he looked polished <clears> and he looked very composed. Uh, and, and I thought he looked very, very good. So he'll definitely be challenging for more game time moving forwards. Uh, Tom Ross was coming back from his concussion, the Brumbies reserve prop and Kater and Neville as well, who had disappeared to Japan through the COVID break, then realized that there was going to be no footy. He came back, had trained for um, weeks and started for them as well. You don't need to throw in extra R's when you say Caden Neville either. So. I was going to let it go, but I suppose you guys pull me up on names all the time, mate. I don't know what you're saying. It's Caden Neville, mate. It's pretty simple. Kaden. Two syllables. He's a wallaby, so we can understand you not knowing his name. Yeah. Times have been tough. Look, if Rob uh, Simmons is a wallaby, then Caden Neville was probably one, let's be fair. New... He was before he left. Anyway, new injuries. Carmichael Hunt was pulled uh, probably Thursday night. I think it was actually, I think announced on Friday night. Um, Carmichael Hunt, he tore his hamstring in the week during training just after it was announced in the starting lineup. They said it was minor and he should hopefully be back soon. So hopefully for the task, say he's back next week. Uh, he also had a couple of injuries in the game. That was it. That was the only other injury in the game. Awesome. Yep. Good. Oh, sorry, I confused myself. I was looking at Fluke and Stewart, but it was a, yeah, yeah, a typo. Um, so in this one, look, I, I think I saw an, a, a post somewhere that said, you know, some people will be saying that it was a flogging. Some people will say that it was a robbing. Um, I don't know that I sit in either camp, but I definitely sit in the camp that says Australian refer- referees and Super Rugby AU have been atrocious. And uh, the uh, TMO on Saturday night was... Probably the worst culprit of all of them. Um, who, who, what's, your, what's his name, Craig? your favourite TMO? George Ayub. Yeah, the world's worst TMO, and he's proved it again. Um, the game started, or the scoring started, with Ryan Lonigan scoring a try from a Bailey Quinzel, uh, Quinzel sorry, uh, grubber through. And he was clearly offside by two or three <laughs> metres. The camera showed it with the 20-kilometre line. Yeah. It was just so black and white. And yet the, the third umpire, Ayub, said that it wasn't clear and obvious. Awarded the try. Complete terrible call. Even the commentators were blowing up. And then for me as a fantasy manager, got a try, try assist and conversion against me for it. 27 points. I was going to say, I suspect our listeners... 
uh, could probably pick that up with the venom in your voice. Um, oh, sounds similar to AU bows me. AU bows me round one of the semi-final. That's all I can say. But I think the no. stark contrast there was um, if you compare that to, to Jake Gordon being called offside last week, where that was you know very marginal. This this was yeah. a lot more evident. I thought. This, yeah, this was blatant. But look, uh, before we go on, as a, as someone who is a Tars supporter, I think the Brumbies were more clinical. But that sort of stuff definitely you know changes the course of the game moving forward. Look, Tom Wright scored a try down the left touch line from an RA Simone forward pass that wasn't even looked Clear at. Clear forward pass. Yeah, and then Pete Samu, his foot was out on the line when he scored as well. Are you sure? I, I, I yeah, obviously they showed it a lot of times. There was a yeah. there was a clear single frame which they even paused on that showed his foot was out. So yeah. I, I just okay. don't understand. I don't understand how three tries can be missed like that by George Au. Just an atrocious, atrocious. atrocious I'll say like like you, I was up against Samu and I was hoping he was out, but I thought that I, I was happy for that to be given. I didn't think it was clear. Look, I, that was probably the the least. You know, at least clear, but I still, I thought it was out. And you include all of those, that's 19 points. And over the course of the game, I mean, that's that's going to wreak havoc on the Tars. Yeah, I mean, it changes the whole momentum of the game. So, yeah, I know that they lost by slightly more than that, by 27 points. But, I mean, three tries, the entire momentum's gone from the game by that point. So, I don't know, I, I just thought it was a really, really poor effort from him. And it just, I guess, solidifies the fact that we all think he sucks. And I don't understand where he gets his praise from because I've never seen him have a good game. Anyway, mm. moving on, George Ayub, please retire. Uh, Ryan Lonigan, uh kicking goals. I thought that was a big one. I think it was 50-50 and everyone said that him or Kunzel was going to kick. I thought Kunzel would have been left as the kicker because of the fact that he was there, you know, their kick for the entire season. But no, they were happy to give Lonigan his chance. So that was a, a big moment for Lonigan owners there. I think some free points. He must have won yeah. the competition at training. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe, maybe it is that simple, but I don't feel like that's good for a, a goal kicker's uh, confidence either. Mm. To be fair, he had, he had three kicks, got two. Bailey Kunzel had the, the last couple as well. Yeah, when he went off the field. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, he, he, was, he got you, what, two points for his kicking. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of handling errors from both sides. Obviously, it was really wet in the first half. And I think that really took a lot of the momentum out of the game. It was a bit stop-start and probably not the best spectacle. Going into halftime, I think it was 12-11 to the Brumbies. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and it looked like it was on for all money in the second half. I think Jack Dempsey looks really, really threatening. I think he's he's just put three performances back to back to back in a row now, and really excited to see him going as well as he was. Um, but the second half just wasn't the same story. You had uh, the Brumbies just dominate possession, dominate the play, dominate the attack. They scored all the points in the second half. I think twenty six nil. Four tries to nil in the second half as well. I thought the Brumbies line out was really dominant. They obviously had Caden Neville and Murray Douglas in there together for the first time since pre-COVID. They scored, they they won eleven of their own twelve line outs and they stole five of the Tars thirteen. Huge. Obviously the Tars is Rob Simmons and Ned Flanagan. Ted Flanagan has uh, has been a real strength for them, their line out. So I thought that was a really, really big moment in a pretty wet game and a pretty dire game where uh, there wasn't a lot of attacking opportunity for the Tars. I think I think Neville's Neville's huge. I think he's uh, like you know, he's you know, too quite how big he is, but, but also he's just come back from uh, you know Europe where it's all about set pace. <laughs> so um, 
Well, it's it's good for him to. It's funny watching someone like Caden Neville in a good team because I never really rated him very highly until he lined up in the Brumbies pack, and then you just think this big unit. Geez, he's in a winning team. He must be quite good. So <laughs> well, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about just signing a contract with a winning team. Definitely. He, he seemed to come out of nowhere when he did make that Wallaby squad. I think it was 2012. I don't know if he ended up getting any caps, but he had a good season or two there, but then obviously went away for a long time. And yeah. he's too old. Like, he's not going to be in a Wallaby squad. Mate, he's <laughs> 31. As well, eh? Yeah, spe- speaking of uh, speaking of players in good teams, Bailey Kunzel as well was, on, I think, under a lot of pressure coming into this game uh, as the Brumbies had kind of lost their way. He's, as the fly half and the young fly half, you know, I think a lot of pressure rests on his shoulders when maybe it probably shouldn't as much as it, as it has been. Uh, he kicked extraordinarily well, two from two from the touchline. And then there was that one where he decided to kick a drop goal and hit the crossbar and just missed as well. So I thought that was really impressive. But off the back of that game as well, hearing everyone praise how well he played, I genuinely don't believe that he had that big a role in the Brumbies win. I think he's been kind of hammered a little bit harshly for the Brumbies loss of form. And now he's been praised a little bit heavily for the Brumbies return to form. I just don't see him having as strong an influence of what, of what, as what Noah Lalesio was in that side as well. Mm. Agreed. Speaking of five eights, what about Will Harrison, mate? He had a, uh, in terms of fantasy, had a shocker, uh, ended up on minus five points, but he gave away, he got negative 24 points through that game. Four turnovers conceded, two penalties, just, Mm. He was he was the first picked fly half in our uh, our finals redraft, but um, I thought Jock was no the first uh, fly half. All right, yeah, Jock was the first in our one. Yeah, sure. yeah. I, mean, no, you know, I wanted Jock Kagi. It just shows that um, obviously Nabon picked him. Exactly, no Nabon picked him up. And then I got James O'Connor straight after that. So it's fantastic. Um, and uh, Carter was the, the other one as well, right? Like we wanted to see him at outside centre, that big hard runner. He, they'd used him in the pre in the original Super Rugby season this year, running those lines even as a winger. Um, I thought this was his opportunity to try and push a little bit closer to the ball, but he just wasn't very effective. I think he got 13 fantasy points. I don't think he was any more damage in running the ball than Corandrani, and he's definitely not the same kind of solid defender. <clears throat> it was a wet night. I thought that would have been a real game for him to get them over the ad line. And I just, he was okay, but I, I think he was quieter than we would expect. Yeah, yeah I, I would have. As well. Yeah, I would have thought that he could have added a bit more punch and the wet weather would have been perfect for him to have that bit of, a trial in that position. Um, Kurandrani hasn't been as solid as, as we would like, I think, in that 13 jersey from time to time. Um, so it would have been interesting to see if he could add some spice, but maybe they're just not using that 13 channel very well. It's they're, they're getting to their wings, and Carter was looking for the ball in tighter when he was at wing, and that 13 channel just doesn't seem to be something that's dominant at the moment for them. I'm, I'm just, running out, you know, like, was he getting ball? No, I don't think he got a lot of ball, to be honest. You, you he had can check. Runs. He, was number, he had the fifth most runs in the game. Six. Runs, yeah. Hmm. So I, just yeah, I think we're clutching his straws here, but uh, no, I agree. It's been, it's been a long, as a uh, Kurandrani veteran, uh, uh, it's been quite a while since uh, between drinks. There hasn't been a uh, uh, choo-choo uh, celebration for a long time. Absolutely. For the match stats, uh, possession territory, pretty even. Meters was 266 to 278, leading to, leaning towards the Tars, uh, but both really, really low. So I think that kind of tells the story of how this game went. 
really stop start. There were six, th- six to three line breaks to the Brumbies. Off, offloads five to one, the Brumbies chancing their arm a little bit more, I think, in the second half as they started to get on top of the game. Uh, tackle percentage, 86 to 83. So, you know, on, you know, kind of par on both teams, neither exceptional, neither too bad. The line outs I mentioned before, I think the Brumbies would be very, very dominant. The scrums, the, the, Brumbies lost two of their 10. The Tars lost one of their 11. So I think, again, probably slight underperformance from the Brumbies, essentially Wallabies front row. Um, they didn't really get an, any dominance there as well. So hats off to Tom Robertson, HJH, and Tommy Horton. I think they played quite well, mm. um, with the exception of Tom Horton knocking the ball on 37 times. And uh, and this was pretty even as well, 11 to 9. In terms of the fantasy man of the match, Pete Samu, a couple of tries, two tackle busts, two line breaks for his 67 points. The Brumbies, the next best was Tommy Wright on 40 points, also scoring a double. And for the Waratahs, you had Jack Dempsey as the top with 43 points. And as I said, you know, I, I think a pretty good running game from him as well. Indeed. Very good. All right. Well, with, uh, with that, let's move on to our main court and uh, take a look at Super Rugby AU Round 9, uh, the second week of the Draft Rugby semi-finals. And uh, unfortunately this week, the, uh, the, the Reds have the bye. So um, can't just uh, pick all the Reds players, unfortunately. I'm really confused by that, mate. You don't want Reds players. You want players against the Western Force. No, you want Reds players. The result is if the Force have a bye. I'm going to be honest, I want both. I want whoever's playing the Force and Reds players. Well, when Reds seem to get all the top scorers of the Australian Conference, you do want Reds players, and you want them especially against the Force. But we all know you're going to take Brumby's players against the Force this week. Look, I'm, I'm in a real arm wrestle, but you two are way ahead. Surely it's good if all the top scorers aren't in the game anymore. I was thinking that as well. That's true, actually. You just reminded me. I really have to get onto um, your opposition and start telling him who to pick up um, for this week, really, is what I should be concentrating on. Um, <laughs> But very good. Let's move on. The first game we do have that uh, the the Brumbies and the Force. So yes, obviously Brumbies will be in high demand. Uh, this game again at GIO in Canberra be nice, icy cold. Um, who wants to uh, run us through the order of proceedings for this game? Well, I'm happy to, to jump into it. We can all share the load a little bit. But look, in terms of the returns, Colin, I'm surely we're going to see Phil Alfainga. Um, Tavita Kurundrani, probably see Joe Powell come in unless we see Nick White get a little bit more game time this time off the start. And surely we see Henry Stow as someone that was really missed um, for the, the force on the weekend. Um, can the Brumbies do this one by more than 52 points? What was the bet that was on the weekend, boys? A guy uh, put that 100 bucks on, you, you were saying it? Yeah, massive yeah. amount of money. You just cannot be paying the same again this week. If so, chuck $100 on the Brumbies to score more than 70 or something along this line. It's been getting bigger and bigger for the Force. No, that's it. It's just like, it's like uh, do the Brumbies have it in them to out, outdo the Reds, basically? I think we all know the way this game's going, but how, how big is it going to be? Well, I think the most impressive thing for the Reds in that was that they were up by so much before the force completely fell apart. So for the Brumbies to outscore them, they're going to be need to be really dominant in the first 50. Mm. Agree. Um, look, the last time these guys versed each other was in round four. Um, there's four tries to the Brumbies, including two in the first five minutes. Tom Wright scoring one in the first minute. Um, and they threw the ball around. They were looking really, really solid. 
Yeah, 24-0. So the, the Force have, are yet to score against the Brumbies. Um, and it, we could see it go the same way. Um, Western Force, the, as Harry just said, the, they seem to stay in the game relatively early. They can manage to stay in the game. By the time the bench comes on, the team's cooked and they just can't manage to keep up. We, we heard again and again that this... Uh, rapid rugby global rapid rugby is so fast and they're going to be so much fitter than all the super rugby teams when they they turned up and realistically it's a it's a bit of a crock of shit um they just can't manage to keep up with this and look fair enough they haven't had the time together to to build for a super rugby season but really the fitness is just not the same level i think as these other super rugby teams but it will come and i wouldn't expect the same next season um, but yeah, look, it's that 50 minutes, 50, 60 minutes, that's when it starts to, to blow out. You've got blokes like um, Longbottom. How old is that bloke? 37 or something? I don't know, mate. All I know is that he purposely gave away a yellow card to get the hell off the field. Yeah, mate, we're saying they can't hold, you know, they can only hold it for 50 to 60 minutes. Mate, Longbottom looks like he can only hold on for about five or six minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he, like, yeah. On top of that as well, like they're, they're set up in the Gold Coast now, right? That means they're going to have to do a day trip, fly all the way down to Canberra and then have to come back that night. The team's been away forever. These day trips are really tough. Like, yeah. well, they've got to be up against it. Yeah, it's going to be tough for all their old man bones. I think the average age of that forward pack is 30 plus. So it's, it's going to be tough for them. Um, but it's going to be very cold. And that we were saying that it's a big change coming from Queensland and, and drive, or flying down into Canberra where it's just icy, icy cold. The oh, forecast wow. is for four degrees, but no rain. On that, um, on that flying as well, the only away teams to have won flying is everyone against the force. It doesn't <laughs> help them here because they are the force. And the Brumbies and the Rebels have managed to do it over the Tars in a couple of... A couple of games, but That'd be right. the Rebels, the Brumbies and the Reds haven't lost a single game against the team going to their home ground. So I think it's a huge advantage. Yeah, I think Canberra's got to be that biggest advantage. Everyone's coming from warm weather down to just freezing cold, middle of nowhere, Canberra, where no one wants to live. Sorry, Canberra listeners. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're only there for certain reasons. But I don't think the cold really. The cold doesn't really matter that much, mate. Like, I wonder oh, mate, you're I playing for five minutes, mate. You couldn't tell what temperature it is. Craig, do you listen no, to the commentators? I'm going to say it's dewy about fifty-five times. Sure, at least fifty-five. If you played a drinking yeah. game, you'd be uh, you wouldn't see the second half. Put it that way. Exactly. We, we touched on Jack McGregor actually looking to ignite a bit of a bit of that attack um, early on in the game on the weekend, and and we think he should probably start again at fly half. He's just a bit of a breath of fresh air for them. He's enthusiastic, he's exciting, and uh, everyone's started to be able to read John Lance a bit too much. He plays very flat. Teams are picking him off at will almost when he's doing his, his wide passes. Um, so, look, I, I think Jack McGregor for me is the one to start. Um, he wasn't bad at 15, but he's looking better at 10, that's for sure. He's played his whole uh, life. He's played most of his life at 10. Um, so yeah, look, he, he, he looks more settled there. Yeah, he's definitely a 10. I still, um, I still honestly think that it's probably better to have McGregor and Lance on the team and Strawn on the bench. Yeah, yeah I'm not a fan of Strawn. But you, you can have to get... Like, yeah. You need a guy that's going to win you a game. That's true. I agree. 
Uh, look, I think if, if McGregor's starting 15, he has to slot in the first receiver a lot. Yeah. Because if not, Lance just playing flat the way he is, you're not going to keep that defensive line guess, guessing enough at this level. And I think it's, it really does hurt them. I do think he's a good player, but I just, I think he's, they're reading like a book at the moment. Um, there's a few few little things as well. People that are missing. Stowers, we just need to see Stowers back. He's such a big influence. Then he gets through so much work rate. I don't mind seeing Lee Warner at blindside, to be fair. I'd love to see him there a little bit more because I can't see him as a lock in the, at Wallabies level. He's just too short. 194, something along those lines, maybe 196. But, look, I think you just need to have Stowers on the park. Um, I, think, wasn't... I was going to say, I think, I think it's also Tevin Ferris as well. It's just, um, you know, having Fergus Lee Warner in it at lock just allowed them... With that back row of Ferris, Stowers, and Stander, that really allowed them to remain competitive. The, the amount of work that those guys got through, and the amount of um, the amount of tackles where they forced defenders back, you know, didn't yeah. give them that game line ball. That was huge. Mm. They really lost that. Like Kotek is just a very different player. Um, you know, much more of a on the ball. Um, he's a lot smaller, a bit faster, but he missed a lot of tackles too. The loss of both Stowers and um, huge. The other part of that argument is Ollie Atkins, you know, is, is obviously the man that's gotten a start by Fergus Lee Warner pushing to six. And I think he was really, really poor on the weekend. He's a bum. He missed a lot of tackles. He wasn't solid at set piece. I wasn't really impressed with him at all. So, look, I, I think, you know, Henry Stowers to seven and Kane Gateka back to the bench would probably be an okay option. But they would have to find someone to fill that gap at lock and I, I don't think you can put Ollie Atkins in there again I just think he was too poor Yeah I, I agree with that I think something that could actually really help that dynamic is if you've seen him in, in previous season in the NRC, Carlo Tizano the guy at the Tars, young 20 year old flanker is really really good and it's just sad that he tracked, tracked across to the Tars this season, obviously not knowing the force would be in Super Rugby because he would fit that that role perfectly for them, I think, in the in the back row and it's something that's quite important. They're also <laughs> the likes of sorry? I said he would have been great, yeah. Yeah, and, and they also lost, you know, I think Placid's in their team. And Palmer Fowl. I think, yeah, Yo Johan Placid, Palmer Fowl, there's a few guys there. Placid. Sorry? Jonah, yeah. Jonah, sorry, Jonah, not Johan. Jonah Placid, he's supposedly in their team. So I, I don't know what's going on with him or where he is. Um, and Palmer Fowles is another guy that I think oh, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of. Um, potential never really fulfilled it. Um, but he is a big body that would be quite interesting to see on the paddock. Well, That's one of the best that. steps you'll ever see uh, on YouTube. Yep. I think on the on Placid, the back three for the force were pretty average. Byron Ralston, for all his good things, he he let both of those runs down the blind side against Tate McGregor. Um, Tate McDermott, he just wasn't watching. Um, so clearly, I mean, his defence is pretty poor, and the rest of the back three didn't help him. I'd love to see Placid slot in a fullback if you've got Jack McGregor at ten. I think that's probably the best ten fifteen that they they could have. Yeah, if he's there. Um, yeah, Plus it was one of the top top try scorers of the NRC, wasn't he? Ralston, yeah, Ralston, no, yes, no, he was. No, Placid of the NRC, uh, wasn't he one of the top try scorers in the last year or two? I, I think he got quite a few as well. He, he spent a bit of time at Toulon, um, but yeah, look, that that NRC team has been depleted a fair bit. They lost Cameron Orr as well. Um, they lost Andrew Deegan's, Isaac Vines. The 
it's this team's actually probably a fair bit weaker than the NRC side. Mm. Um, who who plays halfback for you boys? Do you reckon in the weekend for the Brumbies? Do you, do you have Chuck Powell straight back in, or do you give Nick White a start? It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I kind of feel like he, he really did. He really was polished. He really was class when he came on Nick White, particularly one or two of those box kicks. Um, it's not like they need him for this game. Um, I'd almost just give Isaac Fines a start, really. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I suspect that Powell will go back into starting. It's kind of hard to, you know, if just you take it away from team, Surely you just pick Powell for 50 and then let Nick White, as the composed, experienced halfback, try and get back to fitness, play 30 in the second half. <clears throat> We'll try to make his case for the, you know, to be the Wallabies. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that probably sounds the most likely. Um, but uh, in terms me, of fantasy, um, I'd love to see Isaac Fines get a start and actually just tear the force part. It'd be great. Yeah. For me, uh, White actually did get 30 on the weekend. So I think we'll see him get more minutes, um, whether it is to start the match and see see how he goes there or, or to close the match out. We'll, we'll probably see him get closer to 40 minutes would be my guess. It'd be pretty rough on Powell to not give him the start. Um, but I think there's only a couple of weeks left before finals. Um, it's a time to to get Nick White into it more and more, um, leading into this Wallabies campaign at the back end of the year as well. Mm. Uh, also, with that back row for the Brumbies, we've, there's been chopping and changing through there. Murray Douglas, Caden Neville, Nick Frost, um, row, yeah. Darcy Swain. What was that, Harry? Second row. Second row. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Um, who fills those two roles? Murray Douglas and, and Caden Neville were quite solid at set piece. Not that spectacular around the, the field. But, I mean, that, that's a tough question for them as well. They've got a couple older heads there. They've got a couple younger guys coming through. How do you think that, that second row shapes up? I, I'd be surprised if they don't just give uh, Neville and Douglas a run again, just because, look, whilst they didn't you know, play the house down, they were rock solid last week. And, yep. uh, and particularly the result taking those lineouts, those five lineouts against the Tars, who had had the best lineout by far. That's Massive. that's huge. So, um, but I mean, for mine, Nick Frost has been the best um, lock for the Brumbies in Super Rugby AU. He's an absolute youngster, but an absolute weapon. So, um, I'd love to see him get more time. And this is for mine. This is definitely a game where you you do that. You know, um, so. I don't know. I, I suspect we'll see Douglas and Neville starting, but um, I'd love to see Frost uh, definitely on the bench. But, um, yeah. you know, anyway, we'll see, see what happens. I'm just looking back at the Super Rugby season before the break. Round one, Darcy Swain started with Murray Douglas. He was obviously, Darcy Swain was obviously meant to be their NRC captain as well before injury. Um, and Caden Neville was on the bench. And then I think there was an injury to Swain for that game. And then Murray Douglas and Caden Neville played pretty much all the way through. So obviously they're, they're all rated above Nick Frost, who I think is unlikely to see any game time unless they're just rotating the squad again. Um, so yeah, my, my thought would be if they're going to mix anything up, it's probably give Darcy Swain another run who might be a little bit underdone for the year as well. And obviously is a, a bit of a prospect for them. I think Nick Frost has been used the most out of their lot in recent weeks, to be fair, hasn't he? He's had a, a few 80-minute performances and, and a fair bit of game time since yeah, um, COVID. Yeah, a few games. So I just think he's he's still down there pecking order. I think they're creating yeah. competition. Uh, competition yeah, for sure. Yep. How, how do you see this game going? Do you, do you think that the... Oh, here we go. 
what's how much if you could go one to ten, eleven to twenty, what a what a decade uh, the Brumbies going to wallop the force by here? What decade? Um, yeah. Very good. Uh, I'm going to say forty plus. Boom. There you go. Oh. You mean forty to fifty? Forty one to fifty. I was yeah. going to say 41 to 50 as well, but now I feel like I can't just follow Kargi. Yeah, so I'll sorry, take 51 to 60 then. <laughs> oh, wee. Wow, I wanted, I wanted to 41 go. to 50. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> I'm going to have to not go higher than that. <laughs> go 31 to 40. There you go. <laughs> Very nice. good. All right. The Rebels versus the Tars in Leichhardt. So a, uh, a home game for the Rebels. Another team that has been on the road for a long, long time coming off the back of a bye. Returning for this one, you've got Carmichael Hunt, who should be back, we think, from a minor hammering, hammy injury. A minor hammering. hammering. Okay. And uh, it hasn't actually been confirmed yet. He obviously had a hamstring injury that cost him the start of the season as well. Uh, so I think any of those kind of recurrent injuries, they're, they're likely to be a little bit more cautious with. So would not surprise me if he doesn't play. However, I think the, the Waratahs have this game, then a bye, or I die. think. Is that right? Yeah. This, this so is their last game. This is kind of like their final. So I think if he's 80%, they might just risk him knowing that he's got a long recovery up until any kind of Wallabies games, which apparently he's not even in the Pony squad for anyway. So kind of throw him in there. Did and they sign can... him for next year? Just sorry, a random aside here. Because I remember he was, he was he'd been saying he wanted to stay around. and was not yet, I don't change. think. I think there's a deadline in September sometime, but they're waiting to get uh, some more info about the... TV rights still before they sign any higher value players. Right. Yeah. I guess um, they've got, they've already signed Godwin, haven't they? So. Yeah. Yeah. Who I really hope does something considering he's coming to the Tars. Um, Maddie Tamua uh, as well had a pretty bad uh, concussion a couple of weeks ago before the buy. So expect to see him, but uh, nothing's guaranteed. You're not hearing anything from the Rebels about that either. Other, other, excuse me, other than the fact that they took him to hospital and he had a scan and it was all clear. So for a neck injury or anything like that. So just a concussion. And I mean, Nelson can tell you firsthand, sometimes those things take a few weeks to get better from. He's been concussed for the best part of four years by the looks of his fantasy performances. Yeah, I just drink my way through it. That's the thing that's what you're going to do. <laughs> Is that not where you thought I was going with that one, Nels? Um, along those ones. Look, as we said, the Tars need to win this to make the final. So everything is on the line to them. I think the Rebels are more or less the same, except for the fact that they'll play the Reds, I want to say. No. Who do they play in the final week to make finals? Fourth. Oh, they're fine then. So, no, but, no it, it, it could very much well come down to four and against. The Tars are sitting ahead of them by one point. Yeah, okay. One so the Tars, attacking point? One bonus point. And what's, so the, the, Tars, what's the four and against? Uh, I think we're worse. I think it's where we're, we've got plus nine, they've got plus 18. So we get a bonus point win that puts us six ahead, six six points ahead and they can't catch us. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. I think that's clearly what the Tars need to be uh, angling for because the expectation is that the, the force are going to be wanting to go home. <laughs> Last game, truly in round four, the rebels, they beat the Tars 29 to 10 and were very, very dominant. I think the, the Tars have been pretty open about saying that they, they didn't really attack that game. They were very disappointed with their effort in that one. So hopefully that's not a reflection of how this matchup will go this time. There was two yellow cards to the Tars, you know, Holloway and Hooper both taking that and taking those. And the uh, Rebels just dominated possession at 71% and territory at 75%. 
and they just made the Waratahs pay for any penalties, kicking five penalties as well. So they kind of controlled the flow of the game. And I think their discipline and their handling areas and possession for the, the Tars will be really, really important for them to have a shot. On that note, they are expecting something like 20 degrees and sunny. So perfect conditions for footy. Obviously, 7 p.m. So George Regan's going to tell us that it's dewy. And... Uh, <laughs> Not perfect conditions, but uh, if, if they are going to attack, this will be this will be the night to do it as well. So I think that's definitely in their favour as well. Um, the the Rebels are coming off a bye. Uh, obviously, played last week or the week before. Sorry, against the Reds, they were really really disappointing. They went down nineteen to three. Uh, and they've had two weeks to plan for this game, which is obviously a massive game for them, setting themselves up for finals. Looking at the teams coming off the bye, the teams have been really, really successful. So from the five teams coming off the bye, it's four wins and one loss. And of course, as a general rule, I don't count the force in these stats. So we'll ignore them coming back off their byes. <laughs> but that means yeah, we call that, the, uh, the only team that has lost coming off the bye is the Rebels, but they were coming... Uh, they were playing against the Brumbies. So uh, I think that's, you know, a, a really important thing in that they were playing a form team there as well. What, what is going on, Nels? I'm getting attacked by a dog. Oh, okay. thought it was um, like a, the, I don't know, no way, green monster. Um, look, I, I think really it comes down to just which team's going to actually show up for this one, right? Both teams are capable. Both teams have very different styles, but when they play their style well, they have the ability to beat any team. And it's just who do you think will actually show up? I think the conditions favour the Tars. I think yeah. the tactical kicking will be really important. I think, obviously, Matty Tamua has really bossed that and Deegan as well. Uh, and I think you'll see them matching up against the likes of uh, James Ram, uh, Will Harrison. There's some absolute cannon boots yeah. in there with Hodge as well. Yeah, that's right, Hodge as well. So... I think that kicking game will go a long way to, to work out where the game is played. And then from there, the Tars have probably got more attacking weapons through the forward pack. Uh, whereas the, the Rebels have probably got that composure and that kind of, uh, I, I guess that, I don't know. I don't want to they don't have any attack, to be honest. They've got absolutely no ideas when it comes to attack. So got the Tars defense being up to it. Yeah, the, the um, Rebels just don't regularly score many tries. They did when they, they had that shellacking against the Brumbies. But other than that, they don't really tend to. Against the Tars in this one, like the last time, yeah, they won by 19 points, but it was one more try. They just kicked every penalty they could. The first three or four, you know, points in the match like, were each penalties, you know, penalty after penalty after penalty to, to stay in that game early on. So, I mean, it's not something we want to see. But I'd be expecting the Rebels to be doing the same. and I'd be expecting the Tars to be going for tries. And I think uh, Carmichael Hunt, we mentioned before, is a really important factor in, in that the outcome of this game as well because he is such a solid defender. He leads the lineup in defence. He's got young men around him. And I think he really adds a lot of calmness to the Waratahs' defensive line. So I think him being fit and healthy and, and being able to lead that side and be the voice for that side in defence will be a big, big difference maker for them as well. 
uh, on the flip side in the backs, the, the Rebels, I just don't see them changing. I think Deegan and Tamur has been a good combination for them. I think we're seeing Magnate grow every single game. I think Corabetti, Kellaway have been solid on the wings and Hodges found a bit of a home in the fullback in that Rebel side. DHP may be close coming back from his MCL injury. I think that was round three and they said five weeks. So you may see him come back, which I assume you just put Hodge straight back to the bench. But that's probably the only change for me that you could see. Um, the other thing I think it's quick from an MCL, isn't it? Uh, look, four to six weeks is pretty standard. So you do see a lot of them come back at four weeks and there's some, yeah, there's, there's some new ways that they can try and heal those up quicker. And if they're not quite right, they can kind of tape them up pretty successfully as well, to be honest. So no, it's not, it's not too quick. It's, it's definitely doable. Um, can I I suggest Bill Meeks, I'm not getting too much time there. Can I suggest next year he comes to the Waratahs? And uh, Kyle Godwin can stay in Western Australia. Matt, I like Godwin. I, I do bring Meeks as well, though. Bring him both. I like Meeks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You just like Meeks because he's got your head. Um, Beautiful man. Look, the 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 Rebels have got a very improved pack, I think. Or Ulysses Pony, I've been really impressed with. Philip and Hosea, the same. Uh, Kemeny, Hardwick and Nasarani, I think, is where their only question is. I think maybe Brad Wilkin gets a start at seven, having said that. Um, and uh, Kemeny, I, I just... I think you guys are thinking the same thing as me. I just don't really see what he's offering. I mean, a couple of people have given him raps as, an, as a you know a promising young man from what he's done so far. But other than make a few tackles, I, I, I'm not seeing yeah, it. I don't know what he's offering. I haven't seen a lot of him. He, he's a very big body that can can fill that role, um, which gives them a, a line-out option and things as well. He's quite young. He is relatively solid in defence and over the ball. But we just haven't really seen him you know, be that... A, a, have much of an, an effect on the match through here. And they do have a lot of stocks in that back row. They do have a, a few guys that we're going to touch on in a little bit that could, could feel that role that we'd love to see have a crack in, in that back row. Yeah, he's definitely, he's got the size about him to be that like enforcer role, that Lockie Swinton type, um, you know, get in everyone's face, make some big carries. But I have yet to see him really? get in anyone's face or make some big carries. He's so. six foot four and 104 kgs. Yeah, I think that could be, yeah. So he's, yeah. he's. A big, big, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm yet to work out what trying to get, what trying, what type of game he's actually trying to play. Is he the physical yeah. guy? Is he the work rate guy? Is he the runner? I have no idea. I just don't see him on the field. None of those at the moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I think it, what Nelson was um, alluding to was, uh, yeah, we just want to see some of these sevens boys get on. We say it every week, but I mean... I don't care Chuck. if they play flank. I feel like sevens plays more or less. You can play them at flanker or anywhere in the back line. You know? like, yeah, realistically, you, you've got the option of Skelton and Killingsworth to throw in that back row. Killingsworth would be an absolute machine of an open side flanker. And Skelton would be amazing in that six jersey. Give Skelton a run in that six jersey. To be honest, I'd put Skelton on in any jersey. I don't really care. Just get him on the field. Um, he is incredible, but... They literally, they literally are keeping their Ferraris parked in the garage. You know what I mean? It's like Dave Vessel doesn't want his job next year. He wants to move back to South Africa. He's had enough. I don't know what the deal is, but anyway. I don't know if you can quite call them Ferraris, champ. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I'd like to see them have a run at professional football. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's uh, it. Think, they're, think... they're Ferraris in sevens. I'll give them that. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the most likely guy you could say there, Ferrari, is Skelton. Young gun that is... 
has such so much potential. Even, um, mm. Holland, I think, is a, a really, really solid player. Beautiful pass and things on him, but he's just not a role they need at the moment. And Killingsworth seems like a very good option at seven, but they've also got a few sevens there that can fill that role. The one thing they seem to really be lacking out of those three options is a six. Yeah. Uh, look, wrapping this one up as well, I just want to see Noanganitawasi get another run. I think he's paid for his poor defence, and I think that's probably what they've taken him off the pitch to go and work on. I don't know how he gets a run because Newsom is the uh, is the vice captain, unless he ends up at outside centre again. Which, I mean, I'm not against either because everyone else playing in that jersey has been absolute rubbish. Uh, James Ram must start every single week, so I think that's probably the only way Noanganitawasi gets a run. But I just want to see him play. I think he's an attacking weapon. The Tars like scoring tries, and they should put him on the park. I think yeah. for all of us, we'd, we'd put Newsom into thirteen and um, and put Marky Mark on the wing. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that suits Newsom as well. Hard running lines outside Hunt. I don't. I don't mind that at all. I'll, I'll be honest, it doesn't matter who we put in the 13 jersey, we're basically playing with 14 men. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a fair point. Um, all right, how do we see this game going? Who wants to call it first? Give us a scoreline. I'm going to pick... Uh, Nelson, you went last last time. What do you, what do you got for us? I'm only going to pick this because it has to happen. <laughs> Look, uh, my, my brain tells me the Rebels are going to win this one, but the Tars have come out firing in matches that have been important. Last week, they let it slip and a lot of things went against them. So I think if the Tars can come out firing early in this one, I, I think they can get it done. But if they do get it done, it's going to be tight. So it's probably going to be, you know, either team just winning. Just because I'm wearing my Waratahs jersey, I'll say the Tars by three. Purely because I'm wearing a Waratahs jersey. Harry, are you uh, more or less optimistic than that? I'm, I think I'm equally optimistic, but I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to uh, to work out the silver lining from their past performances and say, you know, oh, when they get dusted, then they come back really hard. But the only time they did that is when they got dusted by the Rebels and they came and walloped the Reds and the Reds looked off their game. I think if the Rebels are on their game, they'll win. I don't think the Tars have enough to beat a team really on form at the moment. But I think if they're a little bit off and the Tars can get their tails up, they've just got enough attacking flair that they can kind of blow teams away with some of their attacking weapons. But I'll tip the Rebels by five and I'll be putting my money on the Tars by one to 12. Excellent. That's, um, that could be irresponsible. But uh, look, we might even get out to that game. Uh, it is at Leichhardt and... Uh, as we've said, if, if it doesn't go to plan, is the Tars' last game for the season. So it'll be um, it's a while till they play again. It's going to be uh, Nelson's last game of the season in fantasy footy as well. Very good. Not ours. It probably will be yours, Harry. Oh, no. shots fired. Um, yeah, sorry. I'll, I'm going to pick... Uh, look, I'm going to pick the Tars. Just, I don't know, want to be optimistic. Um, and I'll say <laughs> five. The, the Tars haven't had... You know, many games where it's really got away from them, to be honest. They're, uh, it's probably just the Brumbies is the only game that really got away from them um, because they've been close in every other single one that they've lost, haven't they? No, they got walloped by the Rebels, didn't they? Uh, the Rebels beat them by 19. Yeah, sorry. We, we were just chatting about that, though. It was only by one try. Um, where The first time they lost the Brumbies by a point. Uh, first time they lost to the, the Reds was by less than a try. Then they smashed the Chars. They smashed the Reds. Like 
they, the games don't tend to really blow out against them, especially if they come out quite solid. So I think this is a game that they'll they'll man up and come out. So that's me looking for my silver lining. I think in their their recent matches, they they can put it together, but they need a solid start. I think the worrying thing is the Tars have only won three games. That's two against the Western Force and one against the Reds in New South Wales, which is, you know, their their biggest rivalry of the year. So that was the one they had to win. Yep, the Rebels have won one against the Tars, Reds and Force. And Brummies. So they've only won three. They haven't beat the Reds then. They drew with the Reds. Yeah, true. All right. Well, that was a fascinating exchange. And... Um, we got that's going to take us, uh, move us swiftly along to dessert. What's a god do with that desserto? We've said that, um, for dessert, we're going to do a shoot shag marry, uh, and just generally talk about, um, who have, uh, I guess, some bits and bobs, whatever. But um, Nelson, as you're the most one... excited I've been ex- for a dessert in a long time, can I say? Yeah. I know you're not bringing the energy here, Craig's, but, but I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm just going to take over. Because this is my, great, this great, is my baby as well, and you're trying to shut me out of it. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. I'm just going to jump in. Too bad. Suck it up. All right. Oh, so, first of all, shoot, shag, marry. Uh, I'm going to ask. I feel like Nelson fancies himself as a bit of a playmaker and a, and, and the man with all the cool skills. So Nelson, shoot, shag, marry, Rob Simmons, Ned Haddingen, or Caden Neville. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see this one coming. Look, I think they're all beautiful <laughs> men. Beautiful, beautiful men. Uh, I would definitely shoot Ned Hannigan. Just, I'm disappointed. I'm done with him. Um, I'd shag... Rob Simmons, because I think he'd be a gentle lover because he's gentle on the field. All right, I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> he's very gentle. He's a wet pillow. And uh, Kate and Neville, is, I guess we're getting married. I would have shot all three, so that was the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know I had that. No, now, now for the future, that's not an answer. So, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, wow. Very good. All right. Well, look, I think we're all going to pick two each here. So, um, Nels, why don't you, um, why don't you hit, us with, uh, hit us with your best shot? I'll start us with the most serious one. So because you are the big boy of the pod, in the only sense that I mean, you are definitely the heaviest Craigs. Sure. I'll give you the big boys in <laughs> for this one. Yeah, Suchag Mary, Taniela Tupo, Tupo Pone, Ba'omasili, and Alan Alala Toa. It's a toughie. It's a tough one. Um, look, I'll start with the uh, low-hanging fruit. Uh, definitely marrying Alan Alatoa, just that captain of the Brumbies, Wallabies veteran, just that leadership material. You know, that's what I want. Um, and then shoot and shag. Uh, I'm probably, look, whilst Pony could be a good ride, uh, I think I'm going to shoot Pony. Um, the man scares me. And, and Tupo um, Tupo's is going to hurt you too. Tupo just, it's more cuddly, mate. Um, so, <laughs> no way. I saw the way he caressed his puppy. That's, yeah. it. that's it, exactly. Craig's, Tupo puppy is cool. hilarious. You want to be married to that man? Shag yeah. Alan because he's gentle and shoot pony. I've made my call. All right, I've made my decision. Um, and that's the way I do um, yeah, We'll move on to Harry. So because you've got such athletic ability we'll go into the uh, athletic centers of, of late harry and clearly i'm um, taking the piss uh patea pesami and kata yeah i think this one's pretty easy actually you know i was i hadn't read this until you just were about to say it but 
Pretty easy. Cutter keeps disappointing me, so I'm going to put him down. I'm going to shoot him. Uh, and then you've got Paisami and Patea, and clearly Paisami is just the, like, brain snap version of Pataya. So you sleep with Paisami because he's just reckless and he's out there. And, he's ah. kind of and you marry Pataya because he's going to play for the Wallabies forever. And he's, he's the one that you want to be in the, uh, by his side as he, as he rises to stardom. Harry's oh, thinking think, about who's bringing home the bacon long term. I think that's good. I think it's wise. Yeah. Good picks. Very good. All right, Harry. Well, do you want to jump in now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll start with the forward pack. Uh, I'm going to ask Nelson this one because he's a bit of a a loose forward himself. Uh, Nelson, more more loose than forward, to be honest. But yeah, that's right. Shichag Mary, Nasarani, Harry Wilson, or Pete Samu. This is tough. I, I do love all these men, so I don't know who I'm going to shoot. So I'm just going to roll and leave that one for last. Marry, look, I'm I'm going to marry Harry Wilson. Just seems like a, a bit of fun. They reckon he's a big character, so he'd be good to have around, uh, and also potential long-term Wallabies contract. Um, Nasarani or Pete Samu? Look, I think Pete Samu will be a gentler lover than Nasarani. I think he will be painful. So I'm going to go Pete Samu for a shag, and then I'm going to have to shoot Nasarani. Disappointed. Stop talking about gentle lovers, by the way. Mate, I don't want to get hurt. It's, it's a little bit about... let's be honest. Yeah. All right, Kagi. I don't want to get hurt. You had your go at the uh, at the forward pack, so I'm going to give you one from the backs. You're going to give me the pre-book. Barry, Matt Tamua, James O'Connor, or Will Harrison? the three real contenders for the fly half jersey for the Wallabies right now. All right, excellent. Um, I'll do this one very quickly. Um, Harrison, I'm shooting him. That's an abomination of a moustache. Um, <laughs> Wait, Dave, you. I thought you would love someone with a shit moustache. No, 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 come on, mate. This is majestic. That's, uh, it's rookie numbers. I don't no. care he's only 20 years old. That's too bad. Uh, James O'Connor, the sultry poster boy James O'Connor, would shag him. And um, Marty Tamua... Uh, just recently uh, broke up with Elise Perry. So he's available uh, on the market and um, we're going to snap him up. There we that go. makes you a rebound at best. No, I, I, I like that, Greg. He's, he's a good looking man too. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, all right. Well, very good. I will, because uh, I love this section so much. This is, uh, this is great. I'm going to jump in with my two. So um, Harry, let's start with you. We'll, we'll keep with the, the pretty boys out back, but we'll go right out back where you like it. Um, Marika Korobiti, Filippo Dangunu, and Mark Nowinganita Wase. Close. You got it wrong again, but close. Excellent. Uh, shoot, shag, marry, Harry. Oh, I'm really torn here. I'll tell you what, I'm going to marry Dalgunu. That's. That's what I've come down to so far because I just love watching him play at the moment. And I can only assume that there's many, many years of, of his electric feet to come. I was going to say, is that so he can actually stay in Australia? Because <laughs> he's the first. <laughs> Got him. Oh, brilliant. Okay. That, and that too. That's a massive <laughs> plus. Um, yeah. Look, then it's between Karabedi and Nawanganitawasi. Um, I think I'm going to shoot Nawanganitawasi just because... If he's the man, I don't want to change my last name to that. It's too hard. <laughs> is it because you you, you both you can't both be lacking in defence? One of you's got to be good at tackling. Is that <laughs> hey, that was all I could ever do. <laughs> and then uh, Corabetti, I guess that means he's good for a shag. 
Um, I know I, I kind of was going to shoot him from the start, so I don't have good reason for that one. But <laughs> I've got no reason to <laughs> say I'm shaking Joe Reddy. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Very good. And to round it out, the, the, the question that people have all been asking for, uh, Nelson, look, Harry previously gave you some back rowers, but let's, he didn't give you the, the flankers. So let's, um, let's get close and personal. The, I'm going to go with all the number sevens. Uh, Liam Wright, Reds captain. Your new favourite player, Fraser McWright, and the heart and soul, if you will, of Australian rugby, Michael Hooper. I'm just going to get the easiest one out. I'm shooting Hooper. He's, he's long gone. Never um, that is that because he stole your life and your career? No, he, he gave me a bit of brain damage, actually, and I'll never forgive him for that. Okay. Um, kicking me in the head. Um, I'm clearly marrying Fraser McWright. Like, I just want to be around that bloke as regularly as I can. Um, he's a star of the future. It's, he's like looking into the eyes of a young Pocock, as if you don't want to marry that. And uh, Liam Wright, yeah, look, I'll, I'll give him a crack. Just he's the last one there, so I'll give him give him a one night stand. Is he also a gentleman? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think he would be. Excellent. Well, um, this section, you know. <laughs> Started as a joke, turned into a section. Uh, we've got through <laughs> a little bit, so very good. Look, well, I guess just in wrapping up, I suppose what we were also going to talk about was just um, the, the big question that we, we've had about the Western Force and, um, first of all, their ability to be the only team to fully pay out players' salaries. Um, who could they sign? You know what I mean? We're thinking about uh, the te- as the team with the unlimited budget, how have they not managed to snag up one or two just world-class outside backs? You know, they, short term. Man. Yeah, they've got a few, um, obviously, All Blacks in very old All Blacks in uh, Richard Kahui and Jeremy Thrush. But uh, where are those just world-class look uh, Fijian or Samoan wingers out there that um, would be great? We'd love to see a few back, Harry. I think you're probably going to jump in with a wing you'd love to see back in Australia. Oh, I know who you're saying to clean that out of but yes. uh, I was actually thinking that they need a lock and Will Skelton's the man that's demanding all the cash. So can we just bring him back for them? I would love to see him back, but also there's three Reds players who left who will not really get another shot, you'd think, at the Reds or probably any other team in Australia. No one wanted Rodder when he, he was trying to get another another club to, to sign to. No, no, that's not okay. No, no, they actually all... He said he wanted to stay in Australia and they all said they ruled him out picking him up this season. Because he asked for a million dollars. Probably. He can get a million dollars at Western Force. So bring Rodder into the Western Force, line him up next to um, Will Skelton. That's your new second row pairing. Um, that's pretty brilliant. And you're also going to have Harry Hawkins on the bench. Bring Isaac uh, uh, Lucas uh, across to them as well. Um, just the teams that, you know, the players that have left the Reds, that would be great to see. Very good. Uh, well, how about we, we all just pick a player we'd like to come back? I'd, Namani Nadola, let's just get him back. Um, <laughs> might be a bit far-reaching. But, uh, no, in the same vein, I think we're, we're looking at who, who, who are the world-class wiggers that we could we could possibly bring back. I mean, even, what about Benny Volavola as well? I'll throw another one. Not a winger, uh, certainly, but... Um, so just some people that would like to be back closer to home, uh, like the paycheck, and uh, would make a hell of a difference. Has anyone got any final ideas, final thoughts on that I, front? I do, mate. Henry, uh, sorry, yeah, Henry Stiles has been great, but he's not a, a Wallaby prospect because he's obviously already playing international. Oh, yeah. Mm. So I'm going to pick Sean McMahon. 
Yeah, bring back Sean McMahon and Liam Gill and just add them into that back row. Holy hell. The team stands to sound real good, actually. Can we, can <laughs> yeah. we just sign whoever we want for them? They could just, just win the comp. Do you think this has been another case of, uh, you know, the New South Wales rugby office just being empty? It's, uh, there just hasn't been anyone telling Twiggy who, who, to, who to sign? Is that... Yeah, that must be on the phone, get over there and be like, look, mate, here's a list for you. Um, just go down and um, offer... Another, another potential is there's, there's the rumours that he's linking trying to create Bay of Plenty as a sixth New Zealand super rugby side, meaning he's going to have two super rugby sides. So just bring a few Kiwis over, you know, who plays for Bay of Plenty that we, we wouldn't mind having uh, in one of the Aussie teams. Yeah, it's actually, it would be great if it was all like an undercover plan where, um, yes, he's, he's saying the Bay of Plenty, but he's actually referring to uh, Perth. Just, you know, there's a plentiful amount of fish in Perth and there's a bay yeah. there as well. So, um, you know, just the players have to fly a little bit further to training than they realise, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's all... <laughs> It's all a great master plan, but um, no, very good. All right. Well, look, I think that's going to do us in another uh, very short episode of the Draft Rugby Podcast. And um, I guess we'll catch you again next week. Uh, and uh, it will be the finals. So it will be the final pod. No, no, we'll, we'll do one more after that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll know who will be battling it out for the trophy uh, that's in the background of Harry's zoom photo uh and harry look he's got some work to do he's currently behind so Three um, points man's nothing it's not i can't have three pre-game injuries again never say never just a fresh start that's all that one is that's not a that's not a big loss so hopefully harry can you know butcher it from here I, mean, I, was just, I was just gonna say i'm i'm uh, i'm on team nelson i've always said if he didn't look like trying to become the ultimate loser again then i would back him and he and he did well last week so go on else congratulations on round one and take it home make nsync the uh double loser for the year double loser would be a good thing to say that's for sure deserve it, does, it as well it, very it, deserve it it does take one to know one um all right well on that note let's uh let's round out the draft rugby podcast thank you for listening we'll catch you in the next one thank you hey boys